I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Play On Preview. I'm Julia Montesano and with, as always, Gemma Bastiani. Gem, we had lots of fun last week in round one. I'm really excited to get into round two. How are you going? I am doing fine. I managed to get tonsillitis, but it's not going to stop me. <laughs> nothing can stop you. You're still talking. Nothing. It's happy days. Nothing, At nothing the moment. stops you. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens next week. Stats, we're, don't, we're stats don't stop for tonsillitis, mate. you got to keep going. you got to push through. <laughs> might just have to find me on Twitter for a little while if I lose my voice, but I'm tracking along okay as it stands. Yes, the voice sounds fine. The mic test was great. We just did a nice long one, so that's good. So, happy days. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, before, I know this is a preview podcast, but before we kick into round two, um, great um, review with Rana Hussein, both on IGTV and also on the Play On Radio podcast channels. Um, just a quick summary of what you made of round one before we head into round two. Thank you for listening. I also need to acknowledge that my Wi-Fi was bad on Sunday, <laughs> so that will be better next Sunday so I won't be as pixelated. That's okay. Um, <laughs> recap of round one. I think the easiest way to recap round one is by saying that a lot of debutantes really kind of staked their claim totally. um, for, for a spot consistently in their sides this year. But also we had a number of older players that either – returned from injury and really kind of showed why they were missed last year or they've just somehow taken another step up even though the the disruption of this preseason is less than ideal so I think everything across the board is just so encouraging and then add to that the fact that you know statistically a lot of areas of the game have improved I know it's only one round of footy but in the past generally scoring is the lowest in round one a lot of other stats are kind of the lowest in round one. We've already seen a jump on a lot of those areas. So that's really exciting. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of people would have been unlucky to not get the rising star. I think they had <laughs> the rising star are very the rising star selectors had a very tough tough job in round one. So kudos to them for getting getting two absolute dominant players in Isabel Dawes and Tani White the the nod. But yeah, there's a lot of players that could have got it, so kudos to them. Um It's also worth <laughs> It's also worth mentioning that both of those players are Queensland born and bred. Yeah. Um, I know Tani White plays for the Saints, but she was drafted um, 
from her under 18 year from Queensland and Isabel Dawes obviously Queensland born and bred so there's a lot of talent up in Queensland we need to pay closer attention to what's going on up there and if you want to know more about Queensland footy there's a lovely piece by our old mate Jim and also her other old mate Kirby Fenwick although Kirby's not that old so we won't call her old mate but Kirby's older than me but anyway the mates they wrote a piece about the inception of female footy in Queensland it's a a three-parter or a two-parter Three-parter, Three about parter. 30,000 words. <laughs> Siren Sport, get on it, read it. You can read why Queensland footy players are really good, basically. So <laughs> they'll just tell you the long version of it. <laughs> Cheers. All right, so with that, with, after that little plug, after we get all the gem and love out of the way, um, we've got to get into round two. Um, this is Pride Round, and I'm excited because, um, as we know, it's been a Western Bulldogs-Carlton kind of baby in the past However, five seasons of AFLW, I'm, I'm trying to keep track of how many seasons we've had. Um, but yeah, usually it's belongs to the Dogs and Carlton, but this time it's a whole round event. So that'd be really awesome. The umpires will have um, rainbow flags. I think five teams have rainbow jumpers as well, or sort of, or pride themed jumpers. You know, it might not be rainbow, it might just be pride themed. But yeah, I've seen most of them and they look really fantastic. So I'm keen to get into round two, but... The first game is, of course, the Bulldogs and Carlton. Like we said, the the guys, the, I, sort of, I guess, sort of the founders of the Pride Round or the the Trailblazers, the pioneers of the Pride Round. Um, they're playing at Widden Oval at seven forty five on Friday night, um, and both teams coming off a loss in round one. So both teams will be um, keen to bounce back. Jen, what do you make of that kind of revenge factor in both teams? Yeah, I think it's. Um First of all, I want to shout out both of these clubs. They've both done incredible jobs with their Pride Guernseys. Yeah. Um, Darcy Vessio designed the Carlton one, and the story behind it is real interesting. She chose to um, kind of base it on a previous Carlton Pride Guernsey, but kind of focus on a bit of a tree ring, tree aging kind of concept. You know, mm. the yep. rings. With the circles anyway, and the swirls, been- yeah. Yeah, I could have explained that a lot better, sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay. But yeah, I, I think that story is really fascinating. And then the, the Western Bulldogs one is really beautiful. And it's by Nat Gills, who has done a previous Guernsey for them as well. Um, there's actually a, a piece written by Fee Newton um, of Chicks Talking Footy up on Siren that got published this week about pride in the game and why it's so important to have these sorts of representations. So just a shout out there. That's my talk about pride round. Both sides are coming off losses close losses but I think it's really important to so Carlton lost by six points the dogs lost by nine but it's important to look at the way those losses occurred for each team so Carlton we saw it took them a half of footy to really get going and they lost by six points at the end because they were able to take that kind of surge home and just couldn't quite get over the line The dogs are a bit different. They were in the game for a full four quarters. They just couldn't make their shots on goal count um, because they had, I think it was 6-6 that they kicked from memory. Um, So they just couldn't make the most of their opportunities, whereas the the Carlton weren't able to generate very much. So I think it's worth looking at how each team lost um, instead of just saying, oh, yeah, they both lost and they're coming in for revenge. And I'm not saying you said that because I gave you notes for this. Uh, (laughs) But I think in the broader context, it's interesting to see how each team lost. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's there's driving factors for both teams. But 
you mentioned in your notes. <laughs> we'll give it away. Jen, Jen does her notes and, and I follow on and just to give her what she wants to talk about. So here we go, Jen, playing right into your, playing right into your court. Um, <laughs> you're saying in your notes that, that marking is going to be sort of the key stat of the game. Why do you think that? Yeah, so that was a real, and especially being at the ground last week for the Dogs game, their marking, and particularly their contested marking, their marking inside forward 50, was really impressive, and it it was a really obvious positive factor to their game style. Um, I didn't notice that as much for Carlton, and it kind of showed in the stats as well. Izzy Huntington alone took four marks inside 50. Bonnie Toogood took two marks inside 50 on the weekend. Carlton as a whole team took uh, took three. Hmm. So that you know, considering the kinds of players Carlton have in their forward 50, or just kind of have that can take strong marks, they weren't delivering it there strongly enough and they weren't putting it to their forwards' advantage. The dogs were just that little bit different. They were able to take those marks but couldn't necessarily convert on the scoreboard. So it, it's I think the marking aspect of this game is going to be really fascinating. You know, thinking that Carlton want to bounce back from a loss and, and Taylor Harris, she went up for a few but didn't really get her hands on the ball as much. Is that going to be a focus of what the dogs uh, of what Carlton want to do, and are the dogs defenders going to be able to stop that when maybe that's a concerted kind of thing they want to do in this game? I said that really poorly as well. I apologise. <laughs> it's okay. You got your point across, and we like just getting your point across. No matter which way it comes, we do it. It's a podcast, so we like to take things to we like to take time to explain things. Um, yeah, we just had a good chat about marking, obviously, and um, I think. Um, you've obviously got a note in here about about the contest as well. I think Carlton's midfielders, you're right, seemed to really struggle last week. I think Benici was probably the best on ground for Collingwood and she kind of dominated in, in the midfield and really didn't let Presparkus and the likes of, you know, Egan and players like that get, get their way. Um, do you think the Bulldogs can, can match that intensity as well and stop Carlton's midfielders too? Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's... <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> it's, um, it's worth noting that... Both sides were beaten at the contest last week in terms of clearances. The Dogs lost the clearances by 12 against the Saints and Carlton lost them by 5. Um, the The difference, I think, having been at both games again, is watching how each team adapted to the pressure once the ball got to the outside. So if you lost the clearance, were you able to adapt to the pressure, win the ball back, um, deal with the pressure when you did win the clearance? And I think the Dogs did that in a far superior manner to what Carlton did again you've got to consider the opposition and and you know the Saints aren't necessarily known as as much of a pressure side as maybe what Collingwood are but it's still worth noting that the dogs once the ball did get on the outside they were still strong they still fought for the ball and when they did get the ball they did move it forward in a pretty efficient manner Carlton not so much Carlton when they did get the ball on the outside the, the pressure kind of overwhelmed them. They panic. I think there were a few, um, not to name names, but there were two players particularly from the back half for Carlton who pretty much as soon as they got the ball, they panicked and just dumped, kicked it forward, and then it would constantly come back to them. So those two players got a lot of the ball but didn't really use it to the team's advantage. So it'll be interesting to see, A, whether those two players play and whether they play in the same positions, and B, whether Carlton have prepared for pressure again. Because if I were Nathan Burke, I would go straight into this game and say, pressure, pressure, pressure on the outside. They're not going to deal with it well. And then you'll just be able to win the ball back and use it from transition from half back. 
Yeah, and you're totally right about, I think, the lack of depth on the outside as well. Mimi Hill, the first game, was playing on the wing. She did fantastic, by the way, but it's just a lack of experience. You know, you need more experienced mm. bodies on the wings to, to, you know, hold your midfield up well. And you're right, when those backs kind of panic, you need those wings there to, to help out and make sure that they clean up anyone's mess and make sure everything's okay. But, yeah, they struggled a bit with it last week. So be interesting to see how they go against the dogs. Who are, who are you tipping? I... I want to tip the dogs so badly, but I don't have it in me. I'm going Carlton only by five points. I think the dogs will kick themselves out of it, but they'll still put up a good fight. Um, That's why I'm tipping Carlton by five. What about you? I'm going the Blues by 15. I think they always seem to turn up pretty well. Actually, no, I take that back. I was going to say they always turn up pretty well for the Pride game, but I think the Bulldogs scored their highest ever score against them in the Pride game. So the I'll take that competition's back. highest ever competitions, score. Competitions, yep. And Brooke Lachlan's seven goals. That largest, was the round. <laughs> largest winning margin in AFLW history as well. So. Yes, we get it. Sorry we do, that. You know stats, we get it. All right. <laughs> I was looking at it the other day. Did you know North Melbourne kicked the fifth highest score in AFLW history on the weekend? Save it for Twitter, Jim. Save it for Twitter. Anyway, <laughs> no, that's, that's a good stat, to be fair. It's a good stat. Thanks for bringing it to us. But yeah, Carlton by 15 for me. We'll see what happens. We both took Carlton last week. We both got it wrong. So um, don't let us out again, I took a smaller margin than you, though. Yeah. So yeah, you kind of won that, but really you didn't. We're both losers. (laughs) I mean, I I realised after, because we have the siren tipping competition going. Yes. And um, I realised that I did one differently in the preview than I did in the tips. So in my tips, I only got one wrong. But in our conversation, I got two wrong. Ooh, whoops! Right. We'll find out anyway. those on, uh, as we continue the round two preview. Hey, you can tell us about your tipping woes. But <laughs> for now, a player that doesn't have woe, a player, a, a team that doesn't have woes is Collingwood. They obviously got the chocolates over the, the Blues in round one. A big, almost staked their favoritism for premiership contention. Possibly, I don't know. There's a little Ooh. underdog factor in there. They're playing Gold Coast on Saturday at Collingwood's home of footy, Victoria Park. That's at three ten. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, the Pies are on a high <laughs> um, in a good way. They obviously had a really good win. Um, what's going what's gonna to be the key for them to make sure they continue that winning streak this week? So I flagged in the uh, review with Rana that the th- it feels like Collingwood have fixed their forward line by making their midfield a lot deeper mm. because now they can pull players out of there that they know that can impact forward um, and not having to split their time as much. And I think that is going to be a really big thing for Collingwood in this one because the Suns midfield has already been tested for depth in terms of Jackie Yorston not being there and um, Hannah Dunn, Jamie Stanton and um, Alison Drennan having to be the three in there all the time, whereas previously you'd probably rotate a few of them through because they would have the four. So I think that is probably going to be the start of Gold Coast's woes. I think they're going to kind of um, hold hold Collingwood tight for the first half maybe and then lose track of them a little bit in the second half. And I guess part of the midfield is obviously the ruck battle. The ruck battle is really key. Um, Lauren Bella, a, a young ruck for Gold Coast. She's, she's certainly got the height and the athleticism, but so too does Shani Norda, knee laden. Obviously, all Australian year last year and knows, um, yeah, she's really just had, she had an absolute breakout year considering how much she struggled in her first year to, to learn the game and things like that. She really dominated. But how do you see that battle playing out? I don't think these two have, have faced each other from memory, so it might be make for interesting viewing. Yeah, so Lauren Bella led the competition for taps last year with 130, and Shani Leighton was Shani Norder, sorry, was second for 120, I think. 
Mm. Uh, I should have written those down. I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, if it starts so, and it's Gemma, it's right, people. So <laughs> don't question it. <laughs> Not always. Um, so Lauren Bella, I think, did get exposed a little bit last week because, yeah, she's great at winning the taps, but once the ball hits the ground, she's not necessarily involved in the co- contest much longer, whereas Lauren Pierce was able to be constantly involved and only won nine hitouts, but kind of exposed Bella on ground level. I'm worried that that is going to happen again in this game, and especially when um, Gold Coast midfield is already kind of that step behind. And then if Norda can have that impact at ground level, pushing forward like we know she can, push forward, take marks, kick goals, that is going to cause more problems again. And the unfortunate thing for Gold Coast is that Jasmine Hewitt isn't uh, is inactive this year, so isn't able to help out in that factor. So then does that pull Perkins out of the forward line and rob their forward line of, of Perkins? And I think there's just some strategic things that are going to have to happen um, because they are going to be exposed in the middle of the ground a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think it does make for interesting viewing. And you're right, a lot of rucks tend to, to float forward. And we haven't really seen Bella um, get into that role as yet. Maybe it could be coming. Maybe maybe the coach is listening and just heard your suggestions. So you never know, never know. Um, but some other key matchups um, that you wanted to chat, chat about, um, and these are kind of the two... I suppose, big-name duos for each club, and that's Projali and Ahrens for Gold Coast versus Malloy and Davey for Collingwood. I'm super excited to see what happens here. Um, Projali and Ahrens might be names that people don't know a lot about, but you're really knowledgeable in this area, so I'm sure you can enlighten us. But, yeah, I think people saw what Malloy and Davey did last week on Channel 7 <laughs> on prime time, um, and they'll be looking <laughs> forward to seeing what they can do this time. So what are you looking for in these in these matchups? Yeah, so... I. Again, I don't think these are going to be matchups that last the whole game like the Norda Bella one will be, but we'll, we'll without a doubt see some form of these matchups throughout the game. Obviously, with Malloy and Davey playing time forward, and Progelli and Irons are kind of the two key defenders for with Serene Watson, but these two are kind of the key pillars of Gold Coast's defence. They were equal second in the best and fairest with one another last year. They had... I think it was 3.43 average rebound 50s a game each. Like, it was identical. decimal point, ladies and gentlemen. 3.43. <laughs> I, would have, I would have taken three. I would have even taken four. You know, you can be, like, half a decimal point off, but you had to go four, three. Not even one no, decimal point. I, two decimal points. <laughs> the reason I think that's interesting is that they were identical with one another to, the, like, to that degree, and they, they trust one another. They play beautifully as a duo but they also play they're really strong in the one-on-one but Malloy and Davey also really strong in the one-on-one so I think it's going to be fascinating to watch when these do get paired up um, how they go but I think it's just going to go in Collingwood's favour just because of the weight of numbers Um, I think Collingwood are going to get so many opportunities forward that it's just going to be too much in the end for this back back group so it sounds like you're tipping the pies what's the margin Unfortunately, I love the Suns, but unfortunately for the Suns, you I are think a big it's going to be about, fan. I I'm a member it. of the Suns yeah. women's team. Love it. Um, Everyone else, jump on. Memberships are cheap. Get it for every team. You know, it goes straight back into the women's footy program. So do it. Anyway, go. What's your tip? <laughs> I mean, not every team is cheap. Uh, I'm not going to mention team names, but um, <laughs> I've tipped Collingwood by 30. I just think off the back of what they did last week, Plus, the Suns are already that little bit depleted. Um, I think it's unfortunately going to be quite a margin. 
What mm. about you? Interesting. I was going to go to the pies by five. I reckon it might be closer. I reckon the suns might Ooh. surprise us a bit. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. But, yeah. I hope I you're right. Collingwood for the win for both of us, it seems. Um, yes. But the team that Gold Coast played in round one was Melbourne, and they're taking on Richmond. That's that Saturday at 5.10. Melbourne returning to Casey Fields, everyone's favourite windy ground that <laughs> we all love and I'm sure the players are absolutely going to love. I think it's supposed to be a bit of a wet weekend as well, so it might be Jesus. a bit of a, a fun contest to watch. Certainly not being there. I hope, I'll pray for all the people that are going to Casey and people that are, in fact, playing at Casey. But anyway, <laughs> get to the game. <laughs> Um, Tyler Hanks, really impressive last week. She's in the leadership group for Melbourne. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of realise what she's capable of. I think she's been a bit quiet since she's been drafted, but I think people realise now that she's, she's definitely one to watch. Is she going to head to Monique Conti in this contest, do you reckon? So we saw last week with Kathy's fart kind of playing a bit of a run with roll on Conti. What an impact that can have on Richmond's midfield's ability to win the ball. Um, I think they lost the clearances 9-21 to 21 last week. And, wow. you know, a lot of that has to come down to the fact that Conti was really closely checked. I, I don't think Tyler Hanks is going to get necessarily a tagging role on Conti, but I think we're going to see Melbourne's midfield uh, kind of led by Hanks really focus on Conti and limiting her ability to win the ball because we've seen how effective it can be. Um, and then you look at Melbourne's midfield, Hanks has in the part. I mean, Jamie Lambert last year was a good example in round four against Collingwood. Um, Hanks kind of played a bit of a close role on Jamie Lambert. I think that was Lambert's lowest numbers for the year. But Hanks is also able to win the ball when she's playing that kind of role. So think Kiara Bowers or think in the men's game, think George Hewitt. So it's not necessarily losing your, like sacrificing your game to stop someone else. It's maximising what you can do while also limiting them. And I think Tyler Hanks is kind of the best at doing that for Melbourne. But then, you know, Karen Paxman is in that midfield. Lily Mithen is. Lauren Pierce is. There's a number of other players that can run through there. So I think the focus will be on stopping Conti from being able to do a lot. I know Ellie McKenzie is there now. I know Sophie Molan is there. I know Sarah Hosking is there. But it feels like Conti is the key to stopping Richmond's ability to win the ball out of the middle. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. And I think with Conti not getting to train much with the girls over the pre-season due to her basketball commitments, they haven't really got the, I suppose, the, connecti- the connectivity they they would have liked by this stage. So, and we saw that a bit, I suppose. Like, I don't think Richard were probably expecting that much pressure to be on Conti. And I think the other players just didn't know how to react. But I reckon they'll get there. Um, so, because, yeah, she'll definitely need the support. Because um, I think that, yeah. that kind of defensive midfielder role is kind of increasing a bit. Like, I don't think many many coaches do a hard tag, but they certainly like to have sort of run with roles, which is like I suppose a light tag. But um, interesting prospect in this game, um, Harriet Cordner, one of the great Melbourne defenders, is playing against her old side. She's now in Richmond colours. Um, what do you think is going to go on here? Who who do you reckon she's going to take? Is she going to give a bit of niggle? Is she going to give a bit of chat? Like what's going to happen? I love seeing these type of matchups. So I, I really liked the way she played last week in terms of uh, kind of being that stalwart in defence and stopping and, and allowing Monaghan to play a little bit more freely. Uh, you look at Melbourne's forward line in terms of tall assets. 
they've got more than what Brisbane had last week. Brisbane were kind of reliant on a lot more of those smaller forwards, um, especially with Tegan Cunningham kind of back in form. And then you think there's Shelley Scott, there's Eden Zanka, there's Alyssa Bannon, who isn't kind of there yet, but she still has the ability to take those marks. And then Jackie Parry, who pushes up the field. So there's a lot of people she could go to, but I would expect they'd want to send her to Tegan Cunningham. Um, and then it'll kind of become a little bit of an aerial battle because both, I think Harriet Cordner had seven marks. Uh, two of them were contested last week and uh, Cunningham had f- five and three, I think. Yeah. Um, so I think that'll kind of be the thing. But if Cordner, who is their best one-on-one defender now, gets kind of sucked into that contest, there's so many more forwards that are possible for Melbourne to score through, which is, you know worrying for Richmond's defence. Yeah, you're right. And I think, um, yeah, we're worrying for Richmond's defence, but they also have their own share of of star power up forward. They didn't quite get to show their level, but how good was it seeing Katie Brennan back up there on the forward line? She looked like she really belonged. Um, Is she going to maybe take her game to another level in round two, do you reckon? So, yeah. So speaking about stretching um, Richmond's defense mm. Melbourne don't have a very tall defense right now yeah. they've like Meg Downey is out at the moment she's Melbourne's main key defender you know Libby Birch isn't the best in the one-on-one she's more of that kind of come off and support defender Daisy Pierce isn't particularly big um, Sarah Lampard is out right now Shay Sloan is out right now so the worry is how do you cover Courtney Wakefield, Katie Brennan and Sabrina Frederick if they're all playing forward? Mm. So that becomes Melbourne's worry. Um, the other worry for Richmond, I guess, would be to be tempted to play Katie Brennan on the ball based on what happened in the midfield last week. Yeah, We saw how damaging she could be in that forward line, even though it didn't translate on the scoreboard yet, but she can have such an impact there. I, I'd... I mean, as a Melbourne supporter, I'd be like, yeah, put her on the ball. But <laughs> yeah, as a as a lover of footy, you don't want to see her put back on the ball. You want her playing in that forward line because she can do so much damage. Yeah, and she showed real leadership up there, I thought, as well. Like, I think I think it was at the three-quarter time break. I think the, the Richmond message was, to, you know, to get the ball up in the air to the Richmond forwards because that's where they were going to dominate and do their best work. And I think, obviously, Katie Brennan has a big part in that being one of the the three bigs, I suppose, for the Tigers. So they'll fire up, I reckon. They'll they'll do it. Um, but will they do it this weekend? Who are you tipping? Uh, you've got to tip Melbourne in this. I don't... I, I mean, <laughs> Melbourne has a terrible history of dropping games they should win. Both in the men's um, and women's, hey? <laughs> which makes me very, very concerned. But I think Melbourne will win it. But I'm only going to tip them by 10 points because you truly just can't predict Melbourne at all. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm actually. I have a bit of faith in the days. I reckon they're gonna get up by thirty. Um, I just think. I hope ground. you're right again. Hey. I hope you're right again. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I reckon thirty. Just. I think Casey feels it's a really tough ground to play, and I think Melbourne having the advantage of of obviously playing there <laughs> as their home ground um, will give them a big advantage in this game. I think, and yeah, I just didn't see enough from Richmond to convince me that they're at the level quite yet, but. Yeah, like I said, I reckon they'll get there. They showed some, they showed some good signs, but yeah, it's a tough competition, the AFLW. And um, I think the, the team that felt the toughness last week was Geelong because they got absolutely <laughs> smashed by North Melbourne. Wow. And the scary thing is that the Kangaroos are heading 
back to their home ground in Arden Street. That's a sellout. I think it's sold out in half an hour or something. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, that's on Sunday at one ten. It's a beautiful. It's going to be a beautiful day for footy. We love a Sunday Arvo game. Um, St Kilda is making the trip down to Arden Street to play the Kangaroos. Um, you put in your notes, and I'm staggered at this. You said that North haven't yet hit their straps. What are you talking about? They absolutely dominated the Cats. You need to explain yourself, please. <laughs> um, last year and, and even the year before, we saw this really systematic kind of um, almost robotic North Melbourne mm. that just didn't make mistakes outside of a couple of games. Um, they usually, you know, last year they started the season a little bit slowly with that one-point loss one point loss to Melbourne, two points, um, and then they kind of found that system. I think their ability to have 16 scoring shots last week reflected more on Geelong and their inability to win the ball than it did on North Melbourne's system. So I think we've still got, you know, a better North Melbourne to come. And that's what's scary, is that... That's so scary. It's like a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not if you're like, you'd be loving it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the thing. So they, yeah, they used Emma King in a really smart way, particularly early in the game. They did a lot of things that were really smart, but the thing that we know North Melbourne for, there's two things. We know that they're really fit and they can run out games really well, but we also know that they have really elite skill around the ground. We didn't see... And, and I know they played really well, so don't get me wrong, but we didn't see that kind of precision use of the ball by foot last week as much as we have in the past. We know that they can go to that level again. And we know they've got players sitting on the sidelines waiting to come in that can also do that. So it, it's, you know, they've got another level in them and I wouldn't be surprised if it came out this week. Mm, and you mentioned Emma King. She absolutely stole the show. Um, I think... I think me in particular, and maybe a lot of other people as well, were kind of thinking, what's Jasmine Garner going to do? She's going to be really filthy after not winning the comp best in Ferris last year. But King came out, outscored Geelong on her own, and absolutely dominated. The Saints would have watched that closely and are going to be thinking, how the hell do we stop her? Um, how the hell do they stop her? <laughs> yeah, so we saw Ree Watt get the number one ruck role for St Kilda last week against... Celine Moody and I thought Celine Moody had a great game but the thing I really like about Ree Watt is that she's quite different to a lot of other rucks a lot of other rucks um, like Emma King they ruck and then they push forward and try to kick goals we talked about Norda doing that Lauren Pierce can kind of do that the thing about Ree Watt is that she actually is a defender she's a ruck and a defender so she can push back with King and go with her and actually limit the damage in defense so that's why I really like this Ruck matchup. I don't expect Emma King to have have such a huge impact on this game as she was able to last week because of Ree Watt and what she can do. Yeah, you make a good point. And I think that's where the Geelong Ruck struggled. I think I think it was Astra O'Connor mostly kind of yeah. following her around. And to be fair, Astra's actually a pretty good defender. She's a pretty good all-round player, but even she couldn't keep up with with King. So it'd be interesting to see how Watt does it. You're right. Watt can be a really good defender. So it's definitely helpful having a ruck, not only a ruck that can go forward, but a ruck that can go back. I think everyone's looking at the ruck that plays forward, but I think just as important as the defensive ruck. But the yep. Saints obviously do like their defence. Um, do you think that's going to be a key to stopping North? Obviously, they're, they're one of those teams that just comes out and just starts kicking goals straight away. Do you think they have to press up right from the minute go? Or can they kind of play their attacking style like they did last week against the Dogs? Yeah, so we, we made a big point of the fact that the Saints 
didn't play that extra behind the ball or didn't have that anchor behind the ball like they have in previous games. And it was really exciting and they had a far more attacking style of game and they also conceded um, their equal most inside 50s um, and also conceded the most ever scoring shots. So it didn't hurt them because the dogs didn't kick accurately. Mm. The worry is because of kind of that fear of North Melbourne being able to score heavily, are the Saints going to retreat back into that game they played last year, which was, you know, Tilly Lucas-Rod sitting behind the ball and not necessarily being as focused on scoring themselves, but about limiting the damage. Are we going to see that kind of happen maybe in the second half if they don't get off to a good start? That would be the worry. Yeah, like I said, I reckon the start's going to be the key. Like, North North start last week. It was just... It was, it was an undertainable lead, like, after the first, you know, five minutes almost. They were just absolutely dominating. <laughs> so, um, it'll be interesting to see what if they can get off to that good start and how the Saints respond to that. So, um, yeah, for me, it's it's got to be a North Melbourne win. Um, the margin I'm a bit unsure of because it could be anything. What's your margin for this game? And tip? I'm... T- I'm tipping North um, by 20 points Mm. just because I think, yeah, I I think the Saints are going to revert to that hyper-defensive game and, again, minimise damage rather than try to score themselves. So I think that's why the margin won't be as big, but they won't score very much either. Yeah. What about you? I think I'm going to go, like I said, North, but I reckon I'm going to say 35 just because I still believe they are just outrageously good and it surprises me I think in in the captain's sort of media call this year they all the captains kind of tip Carlton it looks like most of the um, captains tip Carlton for the premiership and not many tip North so somehow they're an underdog so (laughs) look out for them I suppose (laughs) if you you like if you like your media and want to look out for that stuff um Geelong was obviously on the end of North scoring last week and um, they're off to Brisbane this time. Um, Brisbane are playing. Br- Brisbane are returning home themselves, and I think they'll be pretty much. I think that was. I think you mentioned last week that um, Brisbane's only game with Victoria was against Richmond last week. So that's Victorians won't get to see much of the Lions for the rest of the year. Um, but they're returning to Hickey Park on Sunday. It's two o'clock um, Australian Eastern Standard Time and three o'clock Australian Eastern Daylight Time. So. Once again, we love the time zones here. Shout out to the time zones. Um, <laughs> um, like, I think last week, the Cats were honestly lucky to score against North. I don't know how they cut through and did it. Can they do it against Brisbane? Because I don't think Brisbane should be underestimated. I know they had Richmond who haven't won an AFLW game yet, but Brisbane looks solid. Yeah, so the, the worry for the Cats is that they had only two less inside 50s than North Melbourne last week but they only scored with 16% of their entries. So four four of those 25, I think it was, entries they scored with, and then they wow. scored at 25% accuracy when they did score. So that's a, that's a massive concern that needs to be addressed. The problem is they're coming up against one of the best defences in the league and one of the smartest defences in the league, which is Brisbane, led by Kate Luckins and Shannon Campbell. Um, Bray Conan did a lot last week as well. So that would be probably at the forefront of Paul Hood's mind right now is how to deal with that area of the ground. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw maybe one of their debutants come in, a Steph Williams or an Olivia Barber who can play forward because they need them now more than ever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it'd be good to... I think what we saw from the debutants in round one, why not put them on the park? If we, if it's anything what we've seen in round one, they're probably going to light it up and get themselves a rising star norm. So... 
why not cats do it um i think i think for me i, I like to look at uh, so i suppose the fitness of a lot of teams and for me the lions probably looked the fittest of them all in round one they just didn't relent at all against the tide it was a pretty hot day mind you as well so they did super well um how much is their run and carry gonna hurt the cats yeah so i think richmond should be commended a little bit for as much as I hate to say, I'm joking, um, for limiting how much run and carry the Lions could get, although they did get a bit. Mm. You look at Orla O'Dwyer, you look at Greta Bodie, you look at Courtney Hodder, and even Isabel Dawes, who got the Rising Star nomination, who was very much a contested player, she still got a bit of run um, through, the, through the corridor. That is how you need to chop Brisbane off. Um, it's so hard as well, though, because they've got players who have stepped up, like Dakota Davidson, who I was so impressed with last week, who does the little things to keep the ball moving forward so they can continue that run. So the little tap-ons and things like that, you've got to stop that. And I think the way to stop that, A, is pressure, but you also need to have speed on on the um, turnover. Do Geelong have that? I think there's just going to be an absolute inundation for this defensive group yet again um, for Geelong, which is a worry. Yeah, they looked, I think, uh, on the contrary, DeLong looked a bit slow last week for me. I don't know if that was just North looking really good or DeLong just lacking the speed a bit. But, yeah, they have a chance to prove themselves in round two. So, yeah, we'll see how they go with trying to stop, um, yeah, the absolute gun quartet of players. And they're all really young as well, I know. I think, is Dwyer the oldest out of those four? Hotter and Dawes are still teenagers. Like, it's it's insane. Yeah. So, yeah, kudos to them for, um, yeah, Lighting the, lighting the competition up already at a young age. Um, I think something that you've put here is that is about making the ground small. Now, I never got this concept because I never played footy. I'm just a keen watcher. So first of all, can you, understand, can you tell us about the concept, I suppose, of making the ground small and which team's going to utilise that um, on the weekend? Yeah, so I think a, a really good reference point for how Brisbane do it um, is the Q Clash from last year. So if you look at the first half of the Q Clash last year, um, Brisbane were able to trap the ball inside their forward half and they did that by having their defenders come up and, and kind of form a ring about 10 metres off the 50 metre arc. So every time the Suns tried to exit defence, it would go directly to a well-positioned Brisbane defender. Um, and Geelong can get trapped in their defensive half and I think the, the best example of Geelong getting trapped there is round one against Fremantle last year. So, you know, they did get out to score. There was that amazing Rochelle Cranston goal where she ran almost the length of the field and kind of mm, kicked yep. it, hand pass to herself and all that. But that was a rarity because they were kind of Freo made the ground so small. Geelong couldn't get out of the, that defensive half. And I think that is what's going to happen. And, and that would be how, if I were a Brisbane defensive coach that's how I would play it because we know that Geelong can get trapped there and absolutely kind of make the most of that and create those repeat opportunities because then you think about the sort of forwards they have Courtney Hodder is a really good example ground level pressure Dakota Davidson can kind of pounce on those opportunities we know Greta Bodie can do that sort of stuff and there's players that aren't even in the side yet that could do that so Jess Wushner would be great to do that we don't know if she's being picked this weekend yet Um, because we're recording before teams come out. But, you know, there's all those players. They don't necessarily have a lot of those tall marking forwards. So Jesse Wardlaw is probably the only one that was in the team last week. Talia Hickey, maybe. But at ground level, they're really strong. So if you keep the pressure on, keep the ball coming in and don't let it out, that is, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. Again, for Geelong. Sorry, Geelong fans. (laughs) Um, 
Recipe for disaster is probably not a good way to, to end to end the podcast. So, do you have anything positive about the cats? <laughs> do you want to tip them? Um, yeah, no, the cats. I, I do feel bad for them because you know they they lost Melissa Hickey, who was so crucial last year. Nina Morrison isn't ready yet, and she's a really important winger for them. Kate Darby's not in the side, so it gives you less flexibility with what you can do with Phoebe McWilliams. I just would really love to see some debutantes for the Cats. Um, I know they had Darcy Maloney last week, but I think, it, it, you know, Cats fans, they're, they're excited about these players. If they're ready to play, that you kind of want to see them because there's not really too much flexibility about this list otherwise. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It'd be good to see debutantes. I reckon, like I yeah. said, after round one, <laughs> I'm keen to see you get starting <laughs> star and also the rest of the competition because I reckon a few players are actually going to miss out. Um, who are you to be for this game? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm starting to think maybe my margin is too small, but I've tipped Brisbane by 18. I don't like tipping too big a margin, but Brisbane by 18 is what I'm going with. What about you? I'm going Brisbane by 25. I think I've done a 25 tip a few times in this pod. You can listen back and, and give me a tally, people. But, yeah, 25 <laughs> is what I'm going for for the Lions. Um, I thought that was super impressive against Richmond last week. So, yeah, that that's it for round two. And that's because, um, obviously – There've been a few games postponed due to the Perth lockdown, um, and that's obviously affected West Coast and Frio, um, and also the Crows and the Giants, who were their opponents last week. So, um, yeah, we won't get to see those teams in action in round two. But maybe just a quick word on each team, Jen. What did you think of? Let's start with Frio. I thought they were absolutely electric. Yeah, I put them in the same category as North, where yeah, they were impressive, but I think they've got. Like they're a better team than what they showed on the weekend, yeah. Um, which again is scary for the rest of the comp because they really did dismantle the Giants. But yeah, I think they have a couple of levels still in them. And the Eagles, what do you reckon? I think they're they're one of the strugglers, but they looked pretty good early against the Crows. 
Yeah, in the first half of the game, they showed the improvement more so than in the second half. Their issue last year was being able to win the ball on the outside and then transition forward. Ashley McCarthy, Sinead Davison, there are a few, Isabella Lewis, there are a few players that showed in the first half that there was improvement there. They just couldn't sustain it for four quarters. The moment they can sustain that for four quarters, they'll start to challenge some teams. Yeah, totally. And I guess the, the team that I, I really love watching is the Crows. I think that was just because we get to saw, we got to see Randall and Phillips finally back in the same team and the Phillips highlight reel has been playing on the AFLW social <laughs> channels all week. I've loved watching it. I can't scroll past it every time it comes past. What did you make of the Crows? Yeah, I, I and I've said this 6,000 times, so sorry to people that have heard me on everything <laughs> saying this, but I was just really impressed by Ash Woodland. I love the way she plays. I think she looked threatening every time the ball went forward, whether it was in the air or at ground level. She kicked two goals. I'm gonna. I'm just really excited to watch her play more this year and just play consistently as a full forward. Yeah, you've been a fan of Ash Woodland, so yeah, this is this is Jen's little girl. Her and Alyssa Bannon, I think, are your two girls. So there, you, there you big, there you go, girls. You've got your biggest fan, Jen Bastiani. Send her a jumper. Send her a send her a selfie. I don't know. Do, send her something. <laughs> she loves Roxy you. Roo as well. Roxy Roo. Um, and the Giants. I mean, I just feel so bad for them. Like this is they've been relocating to left, right and centre and now they've got their game postponed. They're in isolation, poor things. What did you make of their game considering all the hardship they faced in the preseason? Yeah, so it's worth noting that they actually went with Freo for the first half. Mm. Um, and then, it, you know, it was maybe coincidental, but I think it's a bit more than a coincidence that when Annalise Lister was ruled out for the remainder of the game with a concussion, that's when Freo kind of started to get on top. And I think they conceded five scoring shots in the first half and 13 in the second half. Um, Annalise Lister is such an important part of that back line for the Giants. And once she went down, it kind of became a bit too much for the Giants defenders to handle this massive and really deep Fremantle forward line. So again, I think there's, there's positive things for the Giants. They just, you know, they've had a really rough time and that extended to in-game injuries. Yeah, and you can read all about that, um, I suppose, their 2020 season. It might not contain details of the 2021 season, but in the book that um, Georgina Hibbard's written, it's called Never Surrender, and she followed the Giants throughout the 2020 season. I think I haven't read it yet, but it seems like a fascinating read. I've seen some quotes and some and some things like that. It looks like an amazing book, so get your hands on it. Um, it would be really good to, to get an insight into what they've been through in 2020, and I guess it would be a similar story for a lot of teams considering the – I suppose, the unfinished business element. So, yeah, get yourselves around that if you're a bookworm like Gemma and myself. Um, <laughs> I'm waiting for mine to arrive in the mail. It should arrive tomorrow. I'm very excited. Happy days. Happy days. Get the tracker on. Tracking <laughs> number, please. <laughs> um, but, yeah, obviously our thoughts are with those teams that um, are in lockdown and are in isolation. Um, we know you'll come back fitter and stronger. And also a shout-out to Evie Gooch as well. There was a great story about um, – or a great picture and, and a follow-up story about, you know, she's fighting fires, she's a firefighter, and also um, competing with lockdown as well while playing footy. So, yeah, just to just to add a little string to the bow, you know, just saving lives and, you know, just casual stuff. So, yeah, good on Evie Gooch. <laughs> um, we're just talking in front of Mike, so we're not doing any better, but, yeah, good on Evie. Well done. <laughs> um, it's worth noting as well that um, it looks like the – as it stands, we're recording this on a Wednesday night – it looks like the AFL is working on getting Adelaide to Sydney to play GWS, um, maybe on Sunday or Monday. So 
keep an eye on Twitter and things like that to see how that comes about. But as it stands on Wednesday night, there's no game scheduled, but it may come to fruition in the next couple of days. Yeah, we'd like to see a Monday night AFLW game. I don't think we've ever seen a Monday nighter, so why not? No. Bring it on. Let's do it. 2021 is <laughs> the year of new things. It's the year of debutantes. There you go. It's a de- debutantes in round one and now a debutante time slot in round two. Let's <laughs> let's wait and see what happens, hey, Jem? <laughs> Yeah, wait and see. See what happens. All right, awesome. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there, Jen. We've done a lot of chatting. Um, even though there's been a shortened round of games, we've made sure we've, we've snuck all your analysis in for all the fans out there that just love your stats and can't get enough. So um, <laughs> thanks to everyone who listened last week and he's come back again for round two. Um, we love having your company and... Make sure you tune in for the play on review as well. Um, that's where you can watch Gem on screen. She promises her Wi-Fi will be better this time and she won't be pixelated. <laughs> um, so if you're an Instagram junkie, you love it. You love looking at your selfies. You can look at Gem and Rana on Sunday night. Um, is it via, It's via Rana's Instagram and also the play on radio Instagram. Is that right? Yes. So Rana usually starts it for us and I join from play on radio Melb. Um, also, you know, I'll tweet the details. So GL Bastiani on Twitter is the best place to find out what I'm doing. What about you, Julia? Where can people find you? I'm Julia Montesano4 on Twitter. So, yeah, follow us. We'd love to have you. Sweet. We'd love to have your company. we love to talk footy. So, yeah, I hope everyone enjoys the game on the weekend. If you're going, I think Friday night's going to be a pretty wet one. So bring a brolly, bring an umbrella, whatever you call it. <laughs> um, are you attending any games yourself? Yeah, I'll be there on Friday night and going to see my D's on Saturday. Oh, decked out the jumper, the badges, I'm sure. (laughs) No, I don't have a Melbourne jumper. I'll have a scarf. I'll probably be wearing my siren badges on that scarf. Um, Get a siren badge, by the way. Do it. It's cool. Yeah, there's three of them. Um, One one just says, I love women's sport. So definitely just buy one of them. And uh, yeah. Um, all that money goes towards us commissioning women to write about women's sports. So it's for a good cause, I promise. Yes, we're not trying to hog your money. We just we want to, <laughs> we want to give it to a good cause. You know, we want to pay writers, you know, all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we've done enough yapping, haven't we, Jem? I think we should kind of sign off, hey? <laughs> Once yes, because I have to edit for this. Listening. <laughs> Round two, enjoy the footy, enjoy watching it, enjoy going to it. Um, and yeah, enjoy the podcast, um, on Sunday night, the review as well. And yeah, we'll catch you then. See ya. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 